Welcome back to Season 3 of the podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Blackwood. As many of you know, I wrote my autobiography as a survivor of human trafficking called Custom Justice. But if you didn't know, you do now. Keeping in line with that, this entire season has been focused on interviewing people who did or planned to write about their own experiences as trauma survivors and how they overcame their past. If that sounds like you, reach out. We can talk about having you on the show, too. As much as we all hate commercials, they are a necessary evil these days. This is what keeps the show on the air. You can also show support by purchasing one of my many books or donating through PayPal. You can find the links to either option in the podcast description. As always, a portion of the proceeds do go to local organizations that help fight human trafficking. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Amanda. I'm your host, of course. And today I have an incredible lady with me today by the name of Victoria. Uh, Victoria, how do you say your last name? Is that Pelletier? Yeah, Pelletier. Very good. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to get to know you. Um, I know that what we're going to be talking about, the first part of it is some pretty heavy stuff. Uh, So I do always include that little disclaimer that, hey, you know, if you guys need to take a pause and and walk away, find that pause button, use it. Um, But Victoria, I'm going to have you kick us off. Tell us a little bit about where did you grow up? Where are you originally from? Well, your audience listeners will probably catch the faintest bit of an accent and detect that uh, I'm originally from Canada. Uh, so <laughs> only when I say out and about or I talk about playing hockey, but otherwise I've been told I'm the least Canadian of many of my work colleagues um, living in <laughs> Very cool. Um, I've been to Canada a couple of times. I used to be a flight attendant. Ah, Loved it. Loved it. I love how friendly the people are there. Do you miss being back home? Uh, Yes and no. Uh, So I'm I am a proud Canadian. I love from a culture perspective and massive, um, diverse, but truly inclusive culture. In fact, Toronto, which is where I'm, you know, where I'm from, or I spent the majority of my, my life living in Canada is, has actually just been ranked as like the most diverse city in the world, which is amazing. And so I, I love that. I love that. It's a little bit more centrist from a political standpoint and you can truly vote for the person in the platform rather than a party. So there's things like that. I, I, I love, I miss that, you know, playing hockey, there's so much more access to that there, but from a corporate standpoint, you know, being in business, the just size and scale doesn't exist there for the most part. So it's what's always kind of drawn me to the U.S. to lead just much bigger teams, more complex organizations. And I now keep, kept getting further and further south. So Toronto, New York, Miami Beach. So I've now fully escaped the, the <laughs> Now you're in the nice weather. <laughs> <laughs> Except the summer here. It's pretty brutal. Oh, yeah. I imagine it would be. <laughs> That's the time to escape back and visit my, my family and friends in, in Canada. Nice. Nice. It's a nice place to summer. Um, so on to the topic for today. Uh, normally I focus on people that have overcome uh, their own forms of abuse. Can you kind of give us a, a brief idea of what that abuse was that you've had to overcome? Yeah, absolutely. And I um, I started sharing this story pretty openly maybe about 10 years ago. I've been public speaking for about 20 years, but almost exclusively sort of business corporate related. And I realized as I began to like do more and more like 
coaching and mentoring of others that I could never really authentically do that well or effectively without being vulnerable and sharing a little bit of my story. And, and so it's, I talk about it a lot as sort of my why, what's driven me or propelled me um, forward. And so that is that I'm, I'm born to a drug addicted teenage mother, Julie, who was exceptionally abusive to me. I um, was pushed upstairs, downstairs once, although not intentional, but through just ongoing carelessness, I had a cigarette in my eye and I wore a patch for, for months and I went in and out of the child welfare system. And then actually Julie met the couple that have ended up becoming my parents. They adopted me and she would sort of give me to them after, um, you know, what, these outbursts. And after several of those, um, and actually I'll, I will say the, the last words I remember Julie saying while I was remained in her care was come and get her before I kill her. And after that, um, the woman that became my mom and for me, your family um, are, are often the chosen ones. And in my case, those that chose me and raised me. So my mom and dad are my adoptive parents. And so my mom had said to her, like, we want to take her and we'd like to like adopt her. And so the most selfless thing Julie could have done was actually agree to that, which she did. Um, wow. And so that was a very traumatic first number of years for me, but it, it, created um for for me this i'll say hardened little girl you know with walls up constantly i remember you know walking down the street one day and i i was born like strawberry blonde curls and you know this construction worker said to me i think i was four he's like aren't you the cutest little thing and i won't swear for your audience but at four like i was like what the f are you looking at right just oh. tough tough, tough. um <laughs> So yeah, no kidding. Um, but my mom worked, you know, hard to, you know, bring some of that down. But I, I did a lot of that out of fear of not abuse anymore, but like of rejection and being hurt. And I think I, I also put myself um, into, you know, bad circumstances. And so I, I matured very quickly. Like I hit my height of almost five foot eight by the time I was probably eleven years old, taller than my you know, classmates and my teacher, um, you know, matured really quickly. And that, you know, led to me being, you know, um, noticed by boys. And so I started to hang out with and I, I, I associated at a very early age, like sexual advances or sex with love and wanting to be loved and feel I was, you know, part of something. And so, you know, from losing my virginity very young to sadly, and I will never you know, victim shame, but I put myself in situations that created risk for me. I ended up being raped when I was 14. Um, and so it was just, you know, somewhat trauma after trauma. And it created for me all of the trauma. And there's been a lot that kind of went around, you know, that and my parents, lower socioeconomic status and a bunch of things I kind of dealt with. And it wasn't until much later, you know, in life, I'd say I developed a healthy, level of resistance or uh, of resilience, I should say. My my best friend, Nick, his nickname me Turtle, meaning <laughs> that I have this really tough exterior and I can shoulder and handle a lot, but I'm actually quite all soft and marshmallow inside. 
And I learned how to compartmentalize, but I, I truly don't think that's a very healthy way to deal with trauma, to deal with obstacles, challenge, or adversity. And so I think there's a certain level of DNA. There's, you know, an innate nature in, in, in some people like myself to be able to be, you know, resilient, but I also think it's like a muscle that you can learn and you can flex. And so it wasn't until you know, later in my 20s, and probably into my 30s, that I'd say I learned a much more healthy way to be resilient. And it's that that's, you know, part of my, my why when I talk to people around what's propelled me and driven me forward, both from a corporate perspective, and then also a lot more on a personal level in terms of the kind of like impact that I want to have and do have and coaching and mentoring and also doing public speaking. And so that's my why. And it, it comes out of sadly a really, you know, horrible beginning um, that I hope to, you know, share, I, I do share with others to let them know that whatever their experience is, they can lead this sort of unstoppable life and choose to move forward with all the pain and trauma that they've experienced. Oh, absolutely. And it's so important to recognize that too, that you can, you can stay in that victim mentality and be stuck there forever and continually have this cycle of abuse, or you can figure out how to fight back against it, rise above it and do what it is that you're doing now. And you're now a role model teaching other people that they don't have to stay in that place. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. So how has your trauma impacted your life as to um, who you are now? Do you still have any kind of flashbacks or PTSD from what you've been through? I, um, I, I don't have flashbacks per se, but it's funny. It's still highly emotional for me. So I, I started public speaking probably 20 years ago. It was almost initially exclusively like for business purposes and speaking at conferences. And then through the leadership and coaching and mentoring, as I said earlier, I would, I started to share a little bit more of this story with people individually one-on-one. And now I, I share it quite broadly, not only with your, you know, audience listeners here, but often on large stages. And as I tell some of this story, there's still, it evokes emotion in me and tears will spring to my eyes, even though I've shared the story time and again. Yeah. Uh, what I, and I, I said, it took me into my like tw- late twenties and thirties to be better at like really resilient. And I, I see that mostly from some of my personal relationships. I remember I, I met my, my ex um, when I was 22 and I made a decision to separate when we were 33. And then I started dating some people. And I remember this one man that I dated and we were together for a couple of years. And he said, you know what? He said, you, he said, you need to bring your walls down and you need to let me in. And it's funny because that was a moment for me because I had started in my late twenties to deal, um, show up in business in a very different way. Cause actually the, the mask I wore to protect myself, like no one's going to hurt me or I'm going to push you away before you can hurt me or in a work setting, I'm never going to show vulnerability for fear of, um, you know, what that would mean. I, I, I'd started to tackle it really well, like again, in a corporate setting, but it was clear, obviously by him saying that to me, that I, I hadn't done it personally. So that was still things I kind of needed to, you know, work, um, and, and address. And I, I've taken a lot of the, it's funny. I, so I, I used the word earlier unstoppable and that's just because that's kind of like my 
philosophy and life motto and I co-written a book and I so that's one of the other is like sort of I, and so I signed social media posts, hashtag unstoppable, hashtag no excuses. And uh, it drives my, my children a little nuts, I guess. But, um, but it's just more around recognizing, and this is how I've learned to process, like nothing is going to stop me. We, there's lots of things that are outside of our control. And, you know, as I said, I put myself in risky situations, but there's many things that are completely out of, outside of our control. Like I had a horrible accident last summer and was in a wheelchair for months. So stuff's going to happen to us. And, but it's how we choose to respond, um, you know, in that. And that doesn't mean we don't feel deeply the emotion of what's occurred to us and the need to be, to process that. So that's part of that, you know, resilience for me and that multi-step journey of, of how to be resilient is to, you, you know, I don't just compartment, I don't just compartmentalize it and put it to the side anymore. I need to deal with the emotion. I need to feel it and then process it. But then it's the choice I have in terms of how I'm going to move forward. So then like learning how to anchor on a goal or objective I have in terms of what that moving forward is. And I think the trauma that I've experienced in my, in my past is a big part of what has taught me that and gives me that mindset and allows me to, to move forward. Do you feel like people can relate to you more when you are doing your public speaking, when you do uh, show your vulnerabilities? 100 percent yeah yeah I think you know I think people look at me and actually for, for me it's a little sad sometimes that my children I think my my children look at me and like my my younger one who's got some mental health issues said to me at one point you know she's like mom like you've dealt with all of this stuff in your life and you're like so successful and then she feels like a complete failure because she she has some mental health issues. She's had trauma. My ex unfortunately passed away from cancer a number of years ago. She's just like, you, you're able to deal with it. And and, then like so much better than I is. I think when I, when I talk publicly, they're, they don't know all of that history, but they, what they see is this successful woman who's achieved like an executive, you know, position at a very young age. And I'm a very public figure but they don't know what's behind that. So it's almost not, I'm not relatable to them. Uh, and so as soon as I tell this story, even if their trauma is very different than mine, th- they can recognize it and bring it back and makes it much more relatable. And I become much more human to them. Yes. You're not some mystical creature that has never had hard times in your life. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody has hard times is the varying degrees of hard times that most people don't want to discuss or talk about. Yeah. Hiding that vulnerability. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I, I, I think so many people do hide it in this world of like, you know, just the um, filters and, um, you know, on Instagram or whatever, like there's this great life that, you know, people attempt to, you know, show for others. And so I actually made a very conscious choice um, when um, at the beginning of 2023, I'm not a, I'm not like a new year's resolution kind of girl. Um, but I and funny. It's the, the beginning of the school year has always felt like the beginning of a new year for me anyway. So that's kind of when I start to think about things, but I often will write kind of an opening um, like blog post uh, for the year or thoughts. And this year's post for me was a little bit around, around that. Like it's not all get glitzy and glam. Many people saw in my posts, I won awards 
or I was, I did certain things on television or whatever. And so I think they think my life is so perfect. And I said, no, like, let me tell you how 2022 was a year that tested my resilience from, you know, my husband's back surgery to my sudden passing of my father-in-law to ups and downs with my youngest mental health and substance abuse to my accident, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, these are, this is what's happened. And this is how, so you see this world online, but just understand behind that. So let's take a moment to be much more compassionate for one another, you know, and just be like, recognize the humanity in all of us. What helped you to heal from your trauma? What do you think was the most beneficial thing? I, I I attribute a lot to my mother. She uh, was this like incredible dynamo of a woman who at the time I hated so much. She would sit me down for hours to have me talk through uh, feelings and emotions. And when she saw that I would, you know, react or respond to things a certain way, she'd sit me down and she's like, Tori, we need to work through this. And it drove me nuts. <laughs> but um, it, it's actually now, I think I'm incredibly self-reflective and aware as a result of that, uh, of her sitting me down to deeply understand or try to get to the bottom of the reactions and emotions I was having. And so now it's funny, like even I, I, I use it across my entire life, life, not just personally, but I think professionally, I had changed companies, you know, at one point and I, I realized I, I didn't, I didn't really love it. And it's not like I'd left, I worked for sort of one of their competitors and it wasn't that I thought the grass was greener. I just realized I didn't really love either of those. And I was like, wait a second, I'm the common denominator here. <laughs> so let me sit down and reflect on what is it about me, what I enjoy or I don't enjoy, et cetera. And that goes back to my mom getting wow. me to really like self be self-aware. That is very cool. That sounds like that's not something that's really going to be all that easy to try at first, but with practice, uh, it sounds like it could be really helpful to basically anybody. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, it, it takes time. I'm not going to tell you that like me, me learning, you know, from like being that kid who swore at the construction worker, giving her a compliment to like the woman I am today. And well, first of all, that's like 40 years in between, but like <laughs> It's taken me many years and lots of practice to um, get better at it. And I'm still far from perfect. I'm still really quick to have certain emotions. Uh, but my ability, again, to process it and choose how I'm going to react, respond and move forward is so much improved. And so I tell all of your listeners, like, it, it, it will get better. Um, you, you know, there are steps to take and it gets, it gets a heck of a lot easier. Wow. It sounds like your mom is quite a remarkable person. Not only did she you know, teach you these really cool ways of being able to cope with stuff, but I mean, taking in a child that's not biologically hers because she loved you and wanted what was best for you. It's so rare to find that. You know, yeah. is, is she still with us today? No, she's not. Unfortunately, she, oh. she passed away when I was pregnant with my younger one. I was so pregnant, I couldn't go to her funeral, sadly. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's heartbreaking. I'm sorry you lost her. What a what an amazing person. 
Yeah, she was. And you know what? I actually, it's, I reflected and I'm like, where did my mom get? Because I actually think my mom's family was relatively dysfunctional. I didn't know that definitively until after she passed. And I talked to my aunt and realized that both um, my mom and my aunt were sexually abused by a member of their family. Um, wow. And I remember my aunt saying my mom was trying to force her to talk about it. And my aunt wasn't ready to do it. But my mom was. And so it was like, like I said, it was after her death. I learned this and I was like, I think that her ability to start to process her own trauma is a big part of why she was able to help me with mine. Wow. Yeah. It's really cool. It, it goes to show you how somebody is capable of making changes for other people uh, just by focusing on themselves first. It's like putting on the oxygen mask on the airplane first. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of somebody else. Exactly. So I know that you co-wrote the the book. What is the book about? Well, it's funny. I, it was a friend of mine who had written for the publisher previously, and she approached me and uh, about this book called Unstoppable Change Makers Who Dare to Make a Difference. And so just the title alone, given it was my, my sort of philosophy, I was like, okay, I'm in. And I think even before I knew all the details, it, my, the chapter that I wrote in this book and the, the um, publishers ended up making me the opening chapter is called Courage to Live. And, it, and it's a little bit of the story. It was the first time I'd ever put it down on paper. Oh, uh, wow. I'd started talking about it, uh, you know, in coaching and mentoring. And I think I was even public speaking, you know, on it at that point, but it, it hadn't been sort of memorialized on paper. So that's what it was. And it was, again, some of the lessons I've, I've learned through those experiences. Uh, and there was lots of other people like, you know, authors in the book who, who shared their own stories of, um, you know, being a change maker or, you know, overcoming obstacles. And uh, so I, I hope to write, you know, of the full length book uh, at some point versus just one chapter. Uh, we'll, we'll see when that comes. Would you be open to reading some of your book for the audience? Uh, I would if, I had it in front of me right now. No worries. No worries. Um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the details and, and what you gained out of writing it? It's cathartic, certainly, to share it so openly and um, have it be just part of who I am. I think, like, I'm, I've been hyper, like, advocate around diversity and inclusion for 20 plus years, long before there was kind of, you know, like employees resource groups um, around. And the biggest part around that is re recognition of an understanding of people's lived experiences, whatever they are, whether it's around their experience, you know, as a, like an African American who's had to deal with something very differently than me as a white woman. Um, that lived experience, whether it's, you know, trauma of um, sexual or physical abuse. I mean, it's, I think that's what makes our communities and society so rich is that the fact that we all come to a place with, you know, these very different experiences. So for me, sharing it, and it's now just embedded and publicly in, in who I am. So if you want to know who Victoria Peltier is, what drives me and where I come from, that's the that's the starting story, the, you know, Simon Sinek's viral start with why, like that's mine. Um, so for me, it was amazing to, like I said, memorialize it and share it so openly and, you know, just be able to, to move forward, you know, without, um, you know, 
fear of what that vulnerability would would mean to be so open. Right. Uh, that's one of the things that I, I love to spotlight on this this podcast too is that talking about your challenges and stuff doesn't make you weak. It might make you vulnerable, but in the end, that makes you stronger. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And where do people go if they want to grab a copy of this book that you've helped to co-write, Unstoppable? <laughs> I have a, uh, a website, which is victoria-peltier.com. And so you can certainly get the book there. I share a lot. I, I said I write blogs and things like that. So the content is there. Podcasts like your amazing one will you know, be highlighted there um, or to hire me as a speaker. Or if you are wanting to get on Instagram, although my daughter tells me I'm old because I'm not on TikTok and, and Snapchat, <laughs> but you could find me, find me on those platforms through that site. <laughs> I'm with you there. I have a TikTok. I hardly ever... <laughs> It's just not our generation. Uh, no. <laughs> no, I don't want to be on camera that much anyway. Nobody needs to see this mug. Um, <laughs> that's why I have an audio only podcast right now. <laughs> so what's, what is it that you typically do? You've mentioned the corporate world several times. Um, are you open to talking about that? Just kind of give people an idea of how far you've come in your journey. Yeah, for sure. I So what I'll tell you is, um, in, in one of the pieces of advice I give people is follow your passion and it's quite, you know, it's okay to pivot. So I thought I was going to be a lawyer. I think my mom made me watch too much LA law um, <laughs> when I was younger. And so that was the plan. Uh, I started working, however, at 11. I mentioned socioeconomic status, uh, loving parents, but not tons of money. I never did school trips. We never really had vacations. And so I started working at 11. If I wanted anything outside of the very basics at home, I would need to buy it. You know, the Sony Walkman, again, I'm dating myself, those sorts of things. So I started working at 11 in a, um, in a hair salon. By 14, I was the assistant manager at the shoe store I worked at. I graduated, Gosh. I graduated high school at 16. So I, I did start like even in the kind of the corporate world, a little bit younger than others. I worked for a bank while I was in university. Uh, and I got promoted up through the bank quite quickly. So when they offered me a relocation across country and a promotion, I thought I would just take a year off before going to law school. And what I realized is I, I actually really loved the corporate world and they promoted me into leadership, uh, you know, within the bank. And I, I, I never went to law school and nor did I ever, you know, move back to my original hometown. Uh, and Within a number of years after working at the bank, I got recruited to become the chief operating officer of, a, of an outsourcing company uh, at age 24, you know, and a new mother. I was like, my son was like three months old. It was a massive stretch role for me. And ever since I've sort of stayed at the C-suite or senior executive level, leading large businesses or markets for predominantly Fortune 500 companies like I work for American Express and for IBM and for Accenture. And then I also sit on a few boards and, uh, and then public speaking has been a little bit of my, not only my side hustle, but quite honestly, a little bit of a passion project for me. I just, it gives me great joy to, to speak and share and engage with people on, on stages literally or, or virtually now. That is amazing. You have come so far from that little uh, foul mouth four-year-old yelling at the construction workers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I hope you're proud of who you've become. You're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and Victoria, I really, I, and I just so appreciate you coming on 
my podcast when you know my podcast is considerably smaller than some of the other ones that you speak on and my stage isn't nearly uh quite the same size but i do know that even on these small stages like mine you can have a profound impact on somebody who needs to hear your message thank you thanks for having me If you've enjoyed tonight's episode, please make sure you check out the episode description. There you're going to find links on how you can learn more about this guest, links to connect with them on social media, and how to support the podcast. Remember, I don't get paid to do this. My boss is a bit tight-fisted, but I can say that I work for myself. In short, this show really is all about the guest. If you've enjoyed their interview, please feel free to let them know. You can also tune into my other podcast, Growth from Darkness, which is co-hosted by a lovely lady from Australia. We talk about what trauma responses are and healthy ways to move beyond the past. For more information, just go to growthfromdarkness.com. <laughs>